I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes. A true crime podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is part two of the Kenya Monhey story. When we left off in part one, we had just discussed that Kenya's dad was going all impromptu detective and meets Travis at the gas station, smells bleach in his van. Which is weird. Which is not okay. And that's where we're at. So, bleached van, go. Actually, I'm going to tell you something before. (laughs) I was like, okay, but hang on. Okay, so I just want to tell you a little bit about Kenya because I know that a lot of times when we're talking about true crime, the victim can get lost in the story. Right. And she's such an awesome lady that I just got to tell you about her. Tell me about her. All right. Kenya's mom, Maria, had Kenya when she was just 15 in Honduras. And Maria moved to America and left Kenya with her mom, so Kenya's grandmother, mm-hmm. and they and came here to establish like a life, get a job, you know, have a house in hopes of bringing Kenya over once she was able to. Oh my gosh, what an American dream kind of yeah, lifestyle. I, I love that so much. And the fact that it worked too. Oh. I know. And she so she married Tony and they actually had two kids of their own, Kimberly and Anthony. And Kenya was able to come over when she was about 11. And although she was in a brand new country she'd never been to before, she adjusted really quickly, learned English, and graduated from Cherry Creek High School, which is one of the top high schools like in the Denver area. Uh, yeah, I know people that graduated from Cherry Creek High School. I know. My <laughs> freshman roommate graduated from Cherry Creek. It's so weird because all these places, I like. I know where they are. Like, I know where Spear Boulevard is. I know where Cherry Creek High School is. Cherry Creek High School is made up of like six buildings. It's, it's, it's surreal. Yes, it is. And... Um, when all of this was occurring, this story, she had just moved out, was living with her boyfriend, being really independent, making it on her own. And, um, she had just started college and was pursuing a career in broadcast journalism. Yay, journalism! I know! (laughs) So, when I think of Kenya, I just think of how strong and resilient she was and how she overcame so much in such a short unfortunately short life Mm -hmm. and even if she did nothing else in her life beyond that she's an an inspiration yeah absolutely and I just have to make a comment of how Tony is her stepfather and yet he's going to such great lengths to like find out where she is which is just really yeah that makes my my heart beat a little faster too I have I have a stepdad like that that is just I, I know Tim. I got blessed. I have two dads. <laughs> um, so, okay. Um, so after a few days go by and Kenya is still missing, the police finally, you know, get involved. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, the 72-hour dumb thing has passed. I can't believe it's 72 hours. That's insane. And I don't know if that's still the policy there, but it was at the time. They eventually start investigating. And yeah. when you find out what happens later... The fact, it, like, if they had jumped on this case right away and were able to catch the killer, mm-hmm. they could have prevented something awful from happening. But oh, we'll get to that later. Lord. So let's just talk about what happens in the beginning of the investigation. Luckily, they were able to uncover some surveillance footage of Kenya after she was kicked out of the bar. And 
she they see her in the lobby of an apartment building in Denver with um the guy like a, just another guy that I think is the guy from the bar she was dancing with. That makes sense, yeah. And she looks again super intoxicated. So so much so that her dad speculates she may have been drugged. But also she's wearing like six inch heels and even if I had like one beer and was wearing six inch heels, I would look like she did in this oh my Lord, surveillance yeah. footage. Tripping but, all over the place. Yeah. So on the footage, she sort of stumbles around and she's about to get on an elevator in the lobby of this apartment building and then she all of a sudden like turns around and walks away. If you want to see the footage of the surveillance camera I was just talking about, it's on the Denver Post's YouTube channel, which Claire was just telling me the Denver Post isn't the Denver Post anymore, but the Colorado Sun. It's now the Colorado Sun, but it's still online. Mm -hmm. Read newspapers. Please. Save journalism. (laughs) Okay. um, Detectives were able to use other cameras around town to kind of see where Kenya went after that. And they see that she went into a hotel lobby, um, then came came out. They think she made a, might have made a phone call in there. And then she is seen talking to someone who kind of looks like a transient, maybe a homeless guy. And then she walks out of, like, the place where there's footage. So they don't know where she went after that. Right. And... As far as suspects go, Travis is, like, the only guy they know about. Because all they have is Travis, that whole interaction, and this surveillance footage. And they don't know where she went after that. So they go back right. to him. They start with him. Probably a good place to start. Yeah. Creepy and... white band, bleach, whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Your face. Right? That was funny. <laughs> um, so they pick him up at his place of business and take him to the police station to do an interview. And I've got to tell you what his job is. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with this story, but it's hilarious to me because I've lived in Colorado for four years, and this is the most Colorado job oh, man. ever. <laughs> okay. Um. So he does he sell pot? No. Oh, okay. Um. Well, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's not what his primary gig is. But he oh he owns a homemade gluten-free granola bar company oh lord and he makes them and sells them out of his creepy white van (laughs) oh fun no that's that's (laughs) boy (laughs) um so during the interview he repeats the same exact story and he even provides an alibi he says he was with his girlfriend carrie humphrey all night and surprise surprise the girlfriend corroborates the story. Of course she does. Which girlfriends, moms, significant others of Grandmas, any type. yeah. If you need an alibi, they'll give you one usually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's really sweet if you think about it. it but is, also, but you're an accessory. That makes don't you do like, it. <laughs> that's bad. What, what does that make them? It's not an accessory. That's not right. It's, it just makes them a, um, they just set back the investigation. Yeah, exactly. I think you can go to prison oh, for that, yes. for faking an alibi. She was um, fined and she served 60 days in jail. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you can't do that. It's illegal. And I'm sure that, I mean, we know that murderers are pretty manipulative people. So I'm sure that he just 
did not she didn't probably didn't think he was a murderer. So yeah, we're she probably at you, assumed Ted Bundy. There's no harm in saying that he was home with her that night. Right. Absolutely. But again, only trust yourself. <laughs> I know, right. Also during the interview, Travis said like he wishes he had driven Kenya all the way home and that if he had gotten any weird vibes from Dan that he wouldn't have left her there. Like just plays the whole heroic oh, like, oh, I wish I could have. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's whatever, Travis and your creepy white man. <laughs> um, shortly after this, the detectives catch a break. Some highly incriminating <laughs> surveillance footage from the bakery he rents space at. Travis does. Mm-hmm. For his granola bars. <laughs> um, some video surveillance from that bakery surfaces and the bakery owner um, turns it in. And on this video, Travis is seen dragging a giant white cooler, like a like an igloo white cooler, into the f- walk-in freezer, and it is taped shut with black duct tape. And he is wearing yellow cleaning gloves, like the ones that go up to your elbow. And <laughs> oh boy, he also like turned the vi- the um, surveillance camera off. Like, she's, like, has video of him turning it off the night Kenya went missing. What the hell? Like, talk about just incriminating yourself. Just turn off the security camera, drag in a ginormous igloo cooler with duct tape all around it before you turn off the camera. And then... Well, I don't know if it was before. I don't really know where the turning off the camera part came in. Right. I just know that the bakery owner was like... Yeah, I saw also, he this. turned off the video camera yeah. at one point. Oh, my God. Well, what the? he's not a very smart criminal, is no. he? Around the same time, the police get a search warrant for Travis's van, and they find two things during their search. The first thing they find is that the entire van, like we assumed, has been heavily cleaned with bleach. And the second thing we find out is that Travis lives and works in Denver, the city, but the bottom of his van is covered in dirt and grass, and it basically just looks like he went mudding through a a rural dirt road, and it's, like, fresh. Interesting. Yeah, because Denver is uh, another one of the concrete jungles, so... There's no dirt and grass to run your car through unless you're, like, driving through Washington Park for fun. Yeah, which I think would would have stood out to someone. Yeah. So they consult the cell phone pings on his phone to see if they can locate any rural areas that he may have been around the time of Kenya's disappearance. And this idea actually works. They are able to connect Travis to the town of Keensburg, Colorado, which is um, east of I-25, kind of like where Longmont is, but east a couple, well, not a couple, like 30 or 40 miles. Oh, okay. So that's kind of close to us. Yeah. So if you're not from here, Denver, so picture Denver, then you're going to go like an hour north on I-25 to get to where we are, which is Fort Collins. This town is in between those two, but east. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I 
Yeah. And it's like Fort Collins is a, like a straight shot from Denver. It's literally like a straight Yeah, line. you just get off the interstate and you're and, in our town. Yeah, you just <laughs> you just go straight for an hour. And the police search Keensburg like crazy. That's like fair. multiple times yeah. trying to see if they could find her body. Yeah, anything but her yeah. body. Yeah. Presumably. And meanwhile, Travis is doing interviews with a bunch of news stations, which I don't know about you, but if I am innocent and someone thinks I murdered someone, I'm going to sit at home and lay low and do nothing (laughs) related to this case. I'm not going to go do interviews like just calm down, go home, watch some TV. Yeah. I mean, like he's the prime suspect in this case. And Granted, they haven't found a body yet, so I'm assuming that they're not calling it a murder case yet. But Yeah, I think it's just a missing person it, yeah. at this um, point. But we all know that if that person doesn't show up in 48 hours, they're pretty likely to to be dead. Yeah, which is just super stressful um, and horrible. But yeah, like I wouldn't be going on talk shows talking about how oh, I'm the last person who saw this girl. And it wasn't like a formal sit-down talk show situation. It was just that there were a lot of interviews that he did. And What the heck? And Nash Garule, the detective on this case, who is really into Travis as Mm -hmm. a suspect, notices something in one of the video interviews that Travis did. So by this point, Detective Garule has talked to Travis multiple times about Kenya. And... So during this interview, Travis is like, I'm innocent, blah, blah, blah. And they ask him a question like, so like something related to Kenya specifically. And he says, I didn't kill that girl. Um, Like, what's her name? And then the reporter's like, Kenya. And he's like, oh, yeah, Kenya. What? So he acts like he doesn't even remember Kenya's name, which clearly he does know what her name is. Yeah, he's been questioned by police about this girl. This How is, could you not remember I'm her assuming name? this is all his life is right now is this case, and he acts like he doesn't remember her name. My God, talk about epic narcissism. That's so gross. And the reporter at one point asks him if he did it. So, like, pretty wow, very blunt question. Of that reporter. And he says no, but, like, slightly nods his head yes. I know. <laughs> Which see, is just really creepy. It kind of makes me feel like he was like it's like a cry for, for help. help. Yeah. Yeah. So because I know that like a lot of serial killers and just like murderers in general have psychological issues that they're dealing with and multiple personality disorders do come to light in a lot of serial killer cases when they do psychological profiles. Um so that could be something that's happening. Yeah, maybe. That's definitely a potential situation here. Uh, scary. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so Detective Garule is like, mm, yep, I really think you did it now. <laughs> um, correct. Yes. So the police are continuing their investigation like normal when they notice that Travis has left the state without telling anyone. That's and a great idea. Wow. Again, if you're the lead suspect in a murder case, don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go do a bunch of interviews, and I certainly wouldn't leave without telling someone. Yeah, you just don't do anything suspicious that could possibly, like, incriminate you. 
which he already did by cleaning out his van. <laughs> but, you know, just don't do anything else. And he's feel, doing all of the things that you shouldn't do. I feel like he noticed he's like aware at this point that it's looking bad and he's just getting exponentially yeah. like freaking out and it's getting worse and worse. Oh boy. But him leaving the state actually really helps the detectives because he left the state in a friend's car but didn't I guess didn't tell the friend so the friend reported it stolen and because you I mean you can't go in your creepy white van. No because we're all we all know about the creepy white yeah. van. And so police put out um, I don't know what the official police term is, but they tell police this is the stolen car and there's a suspect in an mm-hmm. abduction case. Like, Look for it. Yeah. And which I would not think I'm sure they didn't think either was going to work, but it does. And a cop in Texas spots the car and pulls Travis over and arrests him on the stolen vehicle charge. And Detective Garule is like on the first flight back to you know, to Texas to go get him mm-hmm. and bring him back to Colorado because now they finally have something to hold him on. And he also, when he gets to Texas, has a warrant for Travis's DNA. Oh, good. I like Garule's, like, initiative here and how, if, like, he just knows what he needs. He's got the guy. Just very effective. Good job. Yes. <laughs> and... Unfortunately, oh no, you know, there's so many unfortunately prefaces in this case. The um, once they find out it was Travis, the friend whose car it was was like, Oh, it's Travis, like, I don't want to press charges. And they end up dropping what? the charges and they have to let Travis go. Oh dear, he has so many people under his thumb. That's that sucks. Like, his girlfriend, this person, the I mean, even like Tony was kind of like, oh, well, this guy, he seems yeah. okay. He's very manipulative. Yeah. And again, if you go look at a photo of him, he's, this is, I mean, you shouldn't judge people on what they look like, but he no. looks trustworthy. Yeah. Which is just like attractive people's fault. <laughs> you know what I, <laughs> not like their fault, but um, we as human beings tend to be more trusting of more attractive people. Right. So. And he is cute. Um, So Travis is let go from custody, but the detectives continue investigating him and they keep a real close eye on him because now they're worried that he's like escalating and that he's going to strike again. So I hate that strike again. I know. Terrible. Amidst all of this, Travis is like, oh, I think I'll go visit my family in Fort Collins. No, Which you're not allowed here. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't come here. Please don't come here. Um, this is a college town. This isn't a very big town. No. So everyone in this town is pretty much like a college-aged person, like Kenya. And there's thousands of cute 20-something-year-old girls. Just walking Women, around. sorry, yeah, women, women. To be yes. creepy to. Yes. And he comes here where there's ample opportunity, you yeah. could say, oh, to... Lord do what he did to Kenya. So, which we still don't know yet, which we still don't know, but um, they kind of knew. But <laughs> at that point, I mean, like, like you said before, the 48 hours had run up and he dragged a cooler. Yeah. Like a clothes. They kind of know what happened. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not, I just don't feel like that's I think a very hard thing to deduce. The best, but yeah, actually everyone was, which I'm sure is what you do when someone you love goes missing is like, you're, just really trying to stay positive. Mm-hmm. Tony 
had actually said that when he met Travis at the gas station and like shook his hand, that he that Travis's hand was like shaking and that he knew he was, you know, shaking the hand of the man who murdered his daughter. And ever since then had zero faith that Kenya was alive. And this is really sad. At night would go dumpster diving for her body or clues or anything. And meanwhile, everyone else is like handing out flyers and and t- Tony's like, N- nope, I just, I want closure. Yeah. yeah. I know. Oh my God. So the Fort Collins police tell, or sorry, the Denver police tell the Fort Collins police, you got to keep an eye on this guy. And so that's where we're at. <laughs> um, so now we're going to jump to the Fort Collins connection, which I want to wrap up part two before we do that. So any questions up to here? Because I know this is a lot of information. <laughs> Does right. it all, is it all I think it's all pretty cohesive. I'm just curious to see if the Fort Collins police do anything about Travis, considering that, like, Detective Garule has such a hunch about him. And there's uh, there's evidence, although circumstantial, it's there. And um, I want to know if they find Kenya's body anywhere. Like, I desperately, I just want... Uh, I hate it when, like, murder cases go to trial without a body because it just feels so unsatisfying because you don't know where that person is. And that happens a lot in like, even in serial killer cases where, um, and I think about the green river killer specifically where there's just like a lot of a bodies lot that of no bodies one knows and it's are. people that are just sort of under the wraps, um, you know, and like sex workers is the people that the green river killer targeted. Cause and, no one's going to look for yeah, them. Cause no one's going to look for them. And, I just I just don't like it when they don't find the bodies because it's it's just the closure isn't there. Well, I will tell you okay. what happens there. No worries. I have an answer. Okay. Um, I will give it to you in part three. <laughs> Great. So thank you for listening to Killer Vibes. Um, if you're as curious as Claire is, please tune into part three where we will tell you the awful thing that's about to happen, but then we'll give you some closure. <laughs> All righty. Um, bye. Bye.